This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 158 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Horses are individuals. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections is one of those sponsors that you can find at equestriancollections.com, plus Uncle Jimmy's brand products at uncle-jimmys.com, and Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable School, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own flight swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And we thank you for listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show right here on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Hi, Glenn. I'm really excited for our guest today. I know. You have a book in your hand and you want to talk to the author. (laughs) Oh, you know, your wife sent me this book. And um, the author is Britta Schuffman. And the name of the book is Dressage Training Customized. But it's the subtitle that really got my interest, which is... Schooling the horse as best suits his individual personality and confirmation. Now, I know I say this, that every time we get an author on here, I just absolutely love their book. But really, I, I mean it more than ever before. This is one of my favorite training books of all time. You're not giving this one up, are you? Never. <laughs> and, Never. And I, I think, too, that as Jennifer said this uh, about this particular book, is you can take out the dressage at the beginning. Oh, it's totally. It's really training customized. It applies to anything. Now, this is not a tr- dressage training book. Well, the funny thing is, is I, I mean, isn't dressage, doesn't dressage mean training? <laughs> so yes. yeah, it's, that's true. It really is, um, you're right, it, this has nothing to do with dressage and everything to do with basic training. Basic training. Not, not and, you know, basic training for babies or starting right. horses, but it's just, it's a broad training foundation. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what that'll be fun. We're going to be talking to her all the way from Europe here shortly. And, of course, we have my tech pick of the week, which is uh, a fun little application I think that people are going to uh, find useful. And then you, you we remembered to put your uh, Pony Club thing in this week. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do the Pony Club thing anymore after this week, though. Pony I'll tell you why. Pony. I'll tell you why. Okay. When we get to it. All right. And then uh, I have also a, another recording from, for our Tack and Habit segment from Ada, which I think everybody's going to enjoy, a little product uh, that we've taken a look at a version of it before, but now there's a new version out. So we're going to be coming to that later in the show, too. Uh, first, everybody wants to know, your leg's still up and your, your huge knee brace the size <laughs> of a watermelon still on? Oh, gosh, this brace and I, yes, we have a very complicated relationship. <laughs> I would like to divorce my brace, but... Um, <laughs> Apparently, it's still quite necessary. The knee is healing. Um, you better I, be careful. That brace is going to sue for uh, palimony or something. I know. <laughs> and child support. I mean, there's <laughs> things growing underneath this bandage that are just not even right. <laughs> it, is, it is good. It is healing uh, ahead of schedule. Um, physical therapy is fabulous. I love my physical therapist. Oh, is he cute? 
It's a she. Oh, okay. And she, yes, she's cute. She's sweet. She's smart. We're and we're working as a team. She'd be a great pony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just you yes, wouldn't be Ace in this the, problem if you had a pony like that. <laughs> no, I would be in a bigger problem if I had a pony. No, I meant if you had a horse. You know, the ponies what got you in trouble using the term generically. Yes, this is true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's it's healing okay, but um, you know, I'm I'm able to muck my stalls, but I cannot dump the wheelbarrow. I can stuff hay nets, but I cannot hang them. Okay. <laughs> I can brush horses, but I cannot pick feet. So basically, so you're doing half the job. I'm doing half the job, and my wonderful, wonderful husband is really doing a great job of picking up the rest of the the barn chores. So He's not, really not only does he have to cook for you and and your child. He has to do the housework, and now he has to do the barn work, too. Well, he doesn't have to do the housework. The only thing I can't do is vacuum. I can pick up. I can do laundry. There's lots of other things I can continue to do, but um, let's not get, I mean, whoa. Yeah. No, he's good, but <laughs> nobody's that good. Does the vacuum but he get is, caught on your knee brace? Is that why you can't vacuum? No. I okay. Believe it or not, I can't balance to push the vacuum. Oh, I got you. Um, it, and anything that throws me off balance is a little bit dangerous. Like we can't, and the, the, the graft, this is, it's such an interesting, hopefully none of you out there ever have to have this surgery, but it is so interesting. Um, the graft, for those of you who haven't been following along, they took a, a section of my hamstring tendon and they put it in, they made an ACL out of it, which is actually a ligament. So what happens is the tendon actually converts over time into a ligament. And they're different. The tissues are different and the, you know, the, the makeup of the cells is different. But it actually makes this transition through, you know, it, it grows new blood vessels. It's called vascularization. And so around the four to six week mark, the graft is really weak because it's going through this change. So I have to be super, super careful about not moving the leg in a way that could compromise that transition. Got it. And vacuuming. <laughs> is one of those things. Good excuse, anyway. Using your balance. I don't have to say I don't yep. want to vacuum. I know that's probably too much information, but <laughs> it's one of those things. You know, hey, I can't ride. I couldn't do my barn chores, so what do I do? I go on the internet and I look up <laughs> ACL surgeries. <laughs> All right, Helena, and I want to apologize for everybody too. The last couple of weeks, we've had a little bit of a hiss in this show, and we've narrowed it down to Helena's recording equipment. And Jennifer is sending you out, by the way. New recording equipment today. You're going to get the new cord and the new mic. Yay! So that should be to you by the time we record the next show. And So you really think it's my mic? Yeah, I think it's your cord and mic. Actually, we just had another one of those cords go bad. Jennifer's went bad, and we had to completely replace it. So, oh, okay. So I kind of think that might, might be what it is. So everybody, just be patient. We'll get that figured out. But the content's still good. We'll talk over the hiss. We will talk over this. We'll um, talk over it. All right. Let's start with uh, my tech pick of the week. I need music or something for that. Uh, can you sing or something? Tech pick of the week. What, what's the tech pick? Um, the app? Yeah, it's an app. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. <laughs> well, thank you, Helena. Appreciate that. All <laughs> right. Tech I'm pick cool. of the week is an application for an Android phone. And I'm, I don't think they have it yet. For the iPhone, actually, things are starting to change now a little bit, and because there's so there's more Android phones in the world than there is iPhones now, and it's cheaper to make uh, the coding is cheaper to do for Androids. More and more applications are coming out in the Android first and iPhone second. That's because it's open source. Yes, it's open yeah. source and it's cheaper and and people make more. 
Plus, the Android store is not as picky about which applications they accept. Right. So that's why we're starting to see that change a little. It used to be the other way around. This is called Horse Show, Horse Show Checklist. And it's an application. You just go to the App Store on your Android phone, the Marketplace, and you search for Horse Show Checklist. And it's a cool little application. You know how when you're going to horse shows, oh, especially with Jennifer, you remember this, my wife, mm-hmm. she would make lists of 5,000 different lists for a horse show. Remember that? And hunting. And hunting. Yeah, anything yes. Anything she did has lists. In the trunks, each individual trunk had a list taped to the top of what was supposed to be in that trunk. And then there was master lists, and they were all set up all around the barn, and or, or all around the horse trailer, on the inside of the door of the horse trailer. Well, this little application does that for you. And what's cool about it, like I have it open now on my Android phone, and it says, okay, touch an item. So the different categories are a list for your horse, a list for grooming, tack, polishing, Rider, braiding, toolkit, truck and trailer, horse first aid, human first aid, overnight stall setup, the things you need for that, overnight stall cleaning, and overnight feeding. So they have all of these different categories. Each one of those has a list that you might need when going to a horse show. And what's cool is if I pick horse and open it up, it even breaks it down further. And it breaks down all the individual things you might need for your horse at the show. And what's really neat about it, Helena, is let's say halter is the top thing. Mm-hmm. If I touch on halter, it turns it from red to green, meaning I have packed it. Ugh, and then amen. you can see when everything is green on your list, you have packed everything and you're ready to go. And I can. And then when you're time for the next horse show, at the top of the application, it, there's a clear all items button. You hit clear all items, you hit OK to confirm, and it turns them all red again. So you're ready for your next horse show. <sighs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> now the only complaint I have about it, and I haven't, I haven't figured out a way to do this. I don't think there's a way to do it. Maybe they'll look at this for the next generation. Is that you can't add custom stuff? Like if I have carry things as an eventer mm-hmm. that a hunter jumper doesn't carry, and it's not on the list, I can't add it to the list. Oh, they'll they'll do that. They'll add that. But you know that would I, make- I would think would be fairly easy to do. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that I think is missing from this. But otherwise, I believe it's a $0.99 cent application. It's worth <laughs> $0.99, cents and it's right there on your phone. You won't forget to bring the list. You know what I mean? Right, because it's, it's on your phone. It's right there. So I like it. Search for Horse Show Checklist on your Android, um, in your Android Marketplace. I, I used to do a I used to, um, safety pin my hunting list to my helmet because I knew that I, couldn't, I wouldn't get on my horse without my helmet. So my helmet was always something I would never forget. There and I would put go. my list, you know, fly whisk, uh, whatever. Well, because your wife was the one who got me into the whole list thing. Don't leave the barn without a list. Don't leave the house without oh, a list. She makes lists for everything. And, and be, so I would do this list, though. Wait, but and so then I'm like, well, you know, sh- then when I started working with her, we would not only have to make our own list, but then you have to make a list for all your clients, all your students, the barn. So, you know, that's the other thing. Does this thing do multiple lists? It now, it, well, it has all of those sections I talked about. Right. Uh, so there's a list for each section. Uh, but no, you, once you, you know, save your, your one list, once you make everything green, then you have to clear it and start oh, over. That's so, all right. Yeah. That's okay. It's a so, start. It's a start. It's, a, it's very basic, but I thought it was, a, it was a good start and worth mentioning anyway. Speaking about worth mentioning, do you want to talk about Uncle Jimmy's? I love Uncle Jimmy's. Uncle Jimmy's brand products. Uncle Jimmy's makes probably the best horse treats in the industry because they are all natural. 
they're yummy, and there's something for every horse type. I mean, this totally fits into what we're talking about in today's episode. Uncle Jimmy's makes, let's see, um, squeezy buns, licky things. What else does he make, Glenn? Hanging balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's your favorite. Um, the pecker wrecker. The pecker wrecker for, for chickens. There's something for everybody. They even have sugar-free treats. So uh, I would encourage everybody to go to uncle-jimmies.com and take a look at, first of all, he's got a fabulous website, but look at how wonderful the treats are. Um, like I said, there's something for everybody. The squeezy buns are my personal favorite because they're soft, individually packaged treats with good stuff in them <laughs> that you can use for hiding medications in. You can break them up into little pieces and use it for training. Or you can just take the whole thing and shove it in your horse's face like I do. <laughs> uh, but like I said, there's something for everybody. They're good for your horse, and they're good for you. Well, thank you to Uncle Jimmy's for his continued sponsorship of the show. Well, now we're going to talk about the guest that you've been waiting for, and I know you're excited about this. Oh, I'm just, I'm in love with this woman. I want to bring her to the United States and come stay with me for a week and just pick her brain. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to talk to Britta Schuffman, and she is a, um, I believe she's from a German background. Uh, she's a top-notch European rider and trainer. She has earned her gold medal. Uh, she currently complete, competes at the Grand Prix level, and she's written a couple of books. So the one that we're going to talk about today is called Dressage Training Customized. Schooling the horse as best suits his individual personality and confirmation. Uh, I have to say, you know, I've read this book. I took my time with it. I go back to it um, as reference. One of the most informative books on training and riding and getting from point A to point B with your horse that I've ever come across. Uh, it's simple. It's absolutely not pretentious. Um, she covers, Britta covers pretty much every type of horse that there is, from the lazy horse to the hot horse, from, you know, what kinds of training programs are good for Frisians versus thoroughbreds and, and warm bloods, and how a horse, not only a horse's personality will determine what kind of training he gets, but even how his confirmation can affect the type of training program he's in. And um, so we're going to talk to Britta today about this book and her philosophy on, uh, on training. Britta, I'm really, really, really thrilled to have you with us today because um, there are there are so few, I would say, professional trainers out there who um, who really look at the entire horse, the the whole the whole horse. And I think that you have done that. You've brought um, I don't want to say customized training, but um, you've brought a broader perspective to training. Mm -hmm. To, to the dressage world. And one of the, the quotes in your book that really struck me was from Klaus Balkenhall, which starts this way. No two horses are the same. One must analyze each horse, considering his character, anatomy, and eccentricities. For each horse, there is a key, and it is our task to find it. And, you know, that's a very powerful statement, and that is the basis of your entire book. What is it about, um, when did you realize this? <laughs> yes, I guess. It's, where in your life did you realize this and say, oh my gosh, this is really important? Well, when you deal so, with so many horses like I do, as a rider, of course, I mean, I started riding um, on ponies and 
um, I realized that one pony was a little big fat um, pony. The other one was a little more elegant. Then I started to ride on on um, warm bloods, um, and they all were different. And I started training other people with horses when I was about nineteen, so quite a while ago. Um, and they all had average horses, not just warm bloods. All different kinds of horses, ponies, um, Frisians, all kind of horses. And so I saw that. Um, you have to, when you train a horse and when you deal with a horse, you have to really listen to the horse and to its abilities. And um, that's also a reason why um, I was so happy to meet Klaus Bautenhol years ago, because he also has this special um, opinion that he, he never says that you have, a tra- you have to train a horse just one way. He always tries to listen into the horse. And I think that's most important for every trainer and that should every tra- trainer should do this. Because as with people, I mean, all people are different. One is big, one is, one is tall, one is small, one is short. Um, some people are a little more, more um, uh, hectic. You say hectic in, in, in English? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be me. And other people are <laughs> yeah, very that's, calm. That's both of us. That's true. And so with all the different types of um, horses and also riders as human beings, you have to deal, and and I think that makes it so interesting. And that was the reason why one of those days I, I thought maybe I should write a book about this. Do you find that um, in your travels you come across a lot of other trainers who don't see training this way, don't see horses in, as individuals, or do you find that it's that a lot of people do see it that way? Is there a leaning in the industry one way or another? I think... The good trainers, they, they see that a horse is an individual, and all the good riders, too. Um, but and then do you, does that translate into their success in the show ring? Yes, I think so. Absolutely. Um, I think there are some riders and some trainers who, maybe it's because they are not the very good ones. They have their the difficulties to, to, lose, uh, to solve problems because they only try to do it the way they read it in a book. The, the way you have to start at A and go over B to C to D. Right. Um, and they don't, don't see that, that um, sometimes you have to, you can't do the shortcut. You have to do maybe a step backwards and watch the horse, listen to the horse and see what the horse is able to give to you. And um, I think that the good riders know that you have to train like this and the good trainers too, but there are also uh, many not so good trainers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Try to be very diplomatic. Yes, yeah. Well, no, we don't do diplomatic here on on this table scoop show. Uh, you know, the one of the things that I really liked about your book is the amount of detail that you go into the different types of individual horses and how um, that those differences can affect their training. I mean, you that you must have spent a lot of time digging this out of your brain, you know, you, you cover things like, um, you know, the training differences as they apply to a horse's breed, mares versus geldings versus stallions, um, you know, horses that are true types versus horses that are made, uh, you know, the hyper or overreactive horse versus Mm -hmm. the lazy horse. And for each one of those sections that you write in detail, how, um, generic training such as the training scale and we can go into that in a minute but how you can take a foundation like the training scale and apply it to these individual types or individual personalities 
Um, how do you how do you know when you first need a horse, you first start working with a horse, how quickly can you assess what their type is? Uh, I think I can I can do this very quickly. Um, I mean, most um, people who are experienced with horses, they can see by the way the horse moves, the way the horse looks, the horse reacts, and what type of horse it is. And of course, there's a difference between a mare and a, a stallion. It's like in real life, men and women are a little bit different. And so it's, there are sometimes little things. Um, most, most mares are a little more ticklish when you come too much with a leg, when you, when you work too much with your leg. Um, some stallions think they want to be the boss in the ring. And these are quite normal things, but you have to realize them. And um, the problem is that some riders don't, don't realize it, don't feel it. They just buy a horse, and right. it might be a mare just by coincidence. And they, then maybe f- um, before they had 20 years, a nice quiet gelding, and they just think a horse is a horse. Of course, of course. But once in a while, <laughs> there are differences between the, those horses. And I think um, the good trainer and the good rider realizes very fast. And it's quite easy when you're experienced to see those differences. Right, right. And we don't all have your years of experience and, and the breadth of your experience. And when so you're I'll tell you what, though, Britta. Yes? Britta, I've owned ponies most of my life. I love ponies. And I'll tell you what, I think that's very evident, especially in ponies. They, they just cover the gambit from 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 one personality to another. I have never owned two ponies that have even been close to alike. Uh, they're so individual. And sometimes not good in ponies, but... What? <laughs> what do you mean not good in ponies? They're all good. A horse is a horse. Some of those ponies can be little devils, for sure. Well, <laughs> yes. I like ponies. I love ponies. I started with ponies. Yeah, I me mean, too. I just, they're ponies. so much fun. Yeah. yeah, they're so much fun. And when I started with ponies, they were, at least here in Germany, those... Small, little, big belly ponies, not the, the typical dressage ponies. Nowadays, over here in, in Europe, they have little ponies. They are so wonderful as dressage um, horses. They, they have super movements, um, very great gaits. They're really good horses. They're just little. Right. But still, still you have to train them a little different than a uh, 17-hand horse. Right, right. Right. Yep. Right. Nice you know, part is the, if they won't get in the trailer, you can just pick them up. That's the nice part. <laughs> Put them in the station wagon. <laughs> I always wanted to do so that. So much easier to mount them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Those are the ones that I get dumped off. Those are the ones that I get. They drop the shoulder and I'm in the dirt. Never fails. The big guys, you're waiting for it. But, but the way down to the ground is not so far. That's right. That's true. This is true. That's And also, you know, you ride ponies on the beach because when you do land, it doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> Hi, my gelding, um, he's on the book too. Um, he, his, I don't know how much is in his hands. It's, it's 180 centimeters. That's quite tall. Yeah. And um, when you fall off him, then you really have a long, long way to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> now, in one of the, the um, chapters in your book, you go over, uh, like, you go over the character types of the horses and what, what kinds of training techniques work best and something that really struck with me, struck a chord with me, was uh, the prankster. Because we all love the pranksters. They're so cute and they're funny and we love their personalities, but they can be a little bit difficult 
to train or to work with. And you describe in this chapter how to train that horse without losing the spark that makes that personality so wonderful. And I think that's kind of, even for some of the more experienced trainers, that's a challenge is how do you get this horse really to fall in with the program without losing the essence of what makes him so unique and wonderful? And you must explain to me what a prankster is. You have, um, let's see, well, you have it in the book here. Yes. <laughs> I didn't write it in your <laughs> It got translated. <laughs> and I happen to have one in, in, at home here. Uh, they're often geldings or stallions that are highly confident, curious, and playful, plus have a macho side and are naturally mischievous. They are often extremely dominant types that always look to challenge the rider with a discussion. They're troublemakers. <laughs> well, it, a discussion. Um, and, you know, the prankster likes to learn and advance in his training and mm-hmm. is the sort that likes to, you know, learn tricks and gets into trouble in his daily life. So that's, that's exactly what my big gelding is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, I think those horses are very interesting to train, but they're also very difficult to train because they have their own mind much more than most other horses. Um, I mean, a lot of people would get frustrated with that. They're trying to get somewhere. Um, and I mean, and you, you do have some great advice in your book about, um, you know, how to really tap into their thinking mind, their thinking playful mind. Um, you know, like you say, the prankster's greatest problem is his tendency to take advantage of any uncertainties or mistakes by the rider. So mm-hmm. you kind of need to have a little confidence. You, you, Got to have confidence, and you have to have English um, um, patience. A lot of patience. It just takes a little longer with these kind of horses. They are very smart. What helps, of course, to train them on the one hand, but that smartness also um, makes it difficult because they really feel every little unsureness of the rider, and they use it. Um, not exact, not against the rider, but they use it just to play around and do us other stupid things. Right. right so you right. have to, um, when when these horses um, start to be maybe a little bit obedient or disobedient, then you um, really must realize that it's not because they don't want to work with you. They don't want to work against you, but they were just they think they can do it without you, and they can do whatever they want to do because they are so smart. That makes it interesting, but also difficult. And I think those horses are not horses for people who are not very experienced, because sooner or later they will have problems with these kind of horses. Right, right. What do you think, Glenn? You would, you'd be a if you were a horse, you'd be a prankster. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not easily trained, so. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> my wife has uh, said that for the past 25 years. She's still trying to train you. Still trying. And uh, you know what? I have learned little things, and I think this is the way the prankster works. He, he, he knows. I think the prankster, and I've had that. I've had ponies like that, too. And I think they know. You know, you can teach them, and they do learn. But they're always, always, always just going to push that envelope a little bit, and they're, they're, they're never going to stop pushing that envelope on you. So you're always on your toes forever with, the, with that kind of horse. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. I think they can become brilliant horses, maybe yeah, even yep. better than other horses, but you, you always have to, to keep an eye on them. Um, mm. Just we, we, we have this saying here, don't give them your little finger, then take the whole hand. And that's, I think, those horses are a little bit like. 
we had uh, we Edward Gal was over here when he was over here for the World Equestrian Games, and we were sitting chatting one day before a clinic he was doing, and you know he even said Totalist was a little bit that way. He's a little bit that that prankster and that one that will always push you a little bit. Yeah, he's he's a strong-minded horse, of course. Yep. Um, and I think he has to be uh, just to to become so brilliant as as he is. Right. The, uh, you know, and that's the other thing that's nice about this book is that you have uh, little bits and pieces from uh, some very accomplished riders talking about their horses and their horse types. And it's really nice to hear sort of this backroom conversation about how these riders, you know, every, when they appear in the show ring in the arena, they're so polished and they're so put together. And, of course, their performances are stunning. But to hear them talk about their challenges in, in training or with their horses' personality types it actually it makes me feel better, and probably a lot of other people too, to know that it, it's not that easy for everybody. Even when you're really great, <laughs> you still have <laughs> challenges in training. And um, I guess that that just sort of says, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, if, if Isabel Worth has some some challenges, well, then it's okay for me to have some too." Yeah, and that <laughs> that feeds the patience, you know, that feeds the persistence that you're saying you need to keep going, whether your horse is lazy or or you know a slow mover or the prankster. Now, let's talk a little bit about the training scale because um, I, that's a little bit new to me. I know it's, it's been around forever, but how do you take, describe to our listeners what the training scale is, what its benefit is to training, and then how you fit individual personality types for horses into that training scale. Yeah, the training scale is, is a training plan you have for a horse, not only for a young horse, um, but also for the whole, um, your whole time of riding. You start with, with a young horse, but that training scale is more the, the, the central theme, the leitmotiv, um, doing the whole work with the horse. It's, um, we have these um, different um, parts of that training scale. It's um, rhythm, it's suppleness and relaxation, contact, impulsion and straightness, and in the end, collection. And the, the whole thing is to, to get a horse that's very, with a very good throughness. So you can give just very, very little aids, nearly invisible aids, and the horse does everything you want him to do. That's, that's the reason um, why you train um, concerning to this training scale. Um, is, the, is the training scale linear, like it, you have to start with one before you can move on to the next? It, it's not exactly linear. Um, in one of my other books, I, I, I did a little um, scratching, scratching, it's actually um, it's, it's a little bit built up like a house. You have the foundation, that's, that's um, the, the rhythm, the suppleness and the contact. You need this in, in the beginning to, to go on with your work. So that um, the horse, after a while, straightens up its, itself, that it is able to collect itself. Because for collection, you need a trained horse that is able to, to bend his, his haunches, to flex his haunches, and to carry the weight, his own weight and the weight of the rider, a little bit more on the hind legs. Right. It needs the, this basic, and the basic is the, the rhythm and the suppleness and the contact. With, if you don't have contact... And between your hand and the horse's mouth, you won't you won't get this um, impulsion. Um, you need to. I mean, the a, a totilas would if you just would like ride him a, a absolute loose rein 
with the neck somewhere in, in the air, he wouldn't move like he does. So um, all this together in the training scale makes the horse to become a dancer under the rider, if you do it rightly. Now, I have, for example, when I, when I school my horse in the flat, because he has some trouble with rhythm, I don't necessarily focus on contact or suppleness. Sometimes, it's, sometimes we need to get rhythm first, and uh-huh. then that calms his mind enough to become supple. He can't be supple unless he's calm. And he uh-huh. can't be calm unless he has rhythm. And but you you know that takes that took quite a few months for me to play around with, well what do we do every time you get on I'm, and I'm schooling my horse, what exactly are we going to do today? And you know, I might have a plan before I get on and I'd say 9 times out of 10 that plan changes the minute I get my other foot in this in this stirrup. Um but I found that um one of these things or two of these things can't actually happen without the other. For example, rhythm coming first. Do you find that that these three initial pieces on the training scale are related like that? You can't have one without the other? Yes, absolutely. Um, over here, the, after this training scale, we, we put the, the, the rhythm in the beginning. But... And, and some people, they say, they say that's not right. You should have the, the relaxation in the beginning and the suppleness. I think that's exactly what the book is about, that um, it doesn't matter if you say, um, I stay with the rhythm in the beginning or somebody else that I, I, for me, it's more important that my horse um, is relaxed in the beginning. I think it, it depends on the horse. When you have a horse that's very nervous, it won't be, um, get into a good um, rhythm, and so then the the relaxation is is much is more important to get it in the beginning. If you if you have a horse with the, which is very relaxed but has problems with the rhythm, um, then you really must put the rhythm in in first and say, okay, I work on that rhythm because without that rhythm, I would never be able to. Um, yeah, to get a, the good impulsion and come to the collection. So it depends a little bit on the horse. I think the training scale is something you you really should just see as a as a light motive that you you know that uh, there are these several um, parts of the training scale. They interlock. Um, they work together. Yes, they yeah. work together. Yep. Yeah. They work together. Yep. And um, it's exactly when you when. I mean, it's a very good um, example of these Frisian horses. Usually the Frisian horses have um, in the trot a good rhythm. In the walk, sometimes they have problems. And lots of them have problems in the canter. Um, of course, they ha- you have to get a good rhythm before you start um, training them. But they also have the problem of this very, very high neck. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not... The, the contact between the rider's hand and, and the mouth is not, usually not so good. And, and the suppleness and relaxation also not. So for me, the first thing you have to do with a Frisian is to try to get him into better contact so you can help him to find the rhythm in the canter. So it really depends a little bit on the horse. Um, the classical... Um, the very, very classical way that, that it said it's first um, rhythm, then suppleness, then contact. But um, I think you have, to, you have to sometimes just let the horse show you the way if you put the one thing a little bit more first or, or the other. 
Right, right. But it does, it almost seems as if whatever the order that you do that in, it seems like one unlocks the door to the other. It's, you know, some people call it, uh, here in the States, we hear this phrase a lot, we had a light bulb moment. And I think that's just from working through these exercises with your horse enough times and playing with it, say, well, let's try some contact today or let's work on, you know, suppleness today. Trying it enough times and in different ways uh-huh. to unlock that door. But you, you also have to be a good listener. And that's, I think that's one of the keys that's missing. missing. How do you, um, you, know, if you, you know, if you're riding your horse regularly and you're trying things, you're playing around with uh, different methods and techniques, you, that, you first, that, that assumes that you have to be a good listener to your horse and your horse's individuality. Uh, how, how can we as riders be better listeners? Oh, as you just said, that um, once sometimes you get on the horse with a plan, and the, the moment you sit on the horse, you have to change the plan because you feel that maybe the horse today is not ready for your plan. And I think that's very, very important um, that you you are able to have a plan to have that um, that central theme that you know where you want to work on, but not only every day your plan. You have to be able to change the plan if the horse um, needs that change. And I think that's that's most important. And of course, it's, that um, needs um, experience from the rider and of course also experience from the trainer. Sometimes the trainer on the on the ground should say the, his, his uh, student, okay, the plan for today was maybe flying changes, but I see that the horse has problems with the with his relaxation. He has problems with with his contact. So we skip the plan. We go one or two step backwards, and we start there where the horse wants to um, wants to start. And I think that brings you much faster forward than than the the when than if you try or you you would try to say okay today I wanted I planned the flying changes. And I stay with the flying changes, even when the horse is not ready. So, um, it, of course, it it, um, it asks a lot of self-critics. You say self-critic? Yeah. Of itself? Yeah. Um, that once in a while, of course, you also have to ask yourself, maybe I do something wrong. Maybe it's me. It's not the horse. It's me. No, it's <laughs> never me. <laughs> Most writers say, no, it's never <laughs> but, yeah, that makes I think riding so so interesting and so um, it it really trains the rider's character because the riding brings you back on on the ground and the floor every time when you sit on the horse it really brings you back where where you, you as a rider um, you, know, you can't just just say okay I do it I I can do it if the horse says no not today you have to think about what you do what the horse does what the horse needs, and that makes it so interesting. And you have to be willing to, to um, accept their imperfections. So if, for example, you do go out on a certain day and you have a plan, maybe that plan falls into a bigger goal. You want to yes. achieve, right, you want to work on something. But you have to be willing to say to yourself, and this is, a, I think, a really hard thing for, for human beings to do, is say, I just have to accept that this might be a flaw for us uh, this might be an imperfection that I'm going to have to live with for the next two or three shows, or uh, because today my horse is going needs to work on X, even though I wanted to work on yeah. Y. It it requires sort of a softness in your mind and your heart to accept that. 
Absolutely. Um, George Teodoresco once said um, that sometimes people want that the horse is is brilliant every single day. And if it's not brilliant, some people get a little upset, upset with the horse, and why does it work today with me? And, and um, George Teodoresco said, with a horse, it's like with a ballerina. A ballerina can't... Um, can't dance every dance every day as uh, as she would be on on the. Ah. Yeah, I was just going to say that we're the same. All humans are the same way. We don't, we have good days and bad days. Good days and bad days, absolutely. Yeah. And um, if you have but a bad you, day, you can try to to get it a little better. But um, if not, but sometimes yeah. it helps just to say, okay, no training today. Yeah, exactly. I just fight outside it's and just have a, a bad day. Focus. I'm going to take a nap. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> Just, and I'm, I'm feeling that coming on, actually. Um, this has been great, guys, and we're plain running out of time. And I know Helena has about 100 more questions for you, but that's what the book is for, too. Yes. So you can find the book. It's Dressage Training Customized, and it is on Amazon. And we will put links to it in our show notes as well, and we'll post it on Facebook. So it's Dressage Training Customized. Britta, this has been so much fun to talk to you all the way from Europe, and I appreciate you being on with us today. Oh, I, I say, say thank you for you. It was very interesting, and I hope you understood what I tried to say. Oh, yeah. No oh, problem. absolutely. It and, was a, a, an and, honor and a pleasure. And normally we'll give away the books that uh, have been sent to us, but I don't think Helena's given this one up. No anymore. way. This is going to be one that I'm going to go back to over and over. This is definitely – I took this to – I just had surgery on my knee, Britta, and I took this to the hospital with me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are you reading? I said, oh, you know, just some <laughs> some horse stuff. I had my head buried in this thing with through some serious drugs. <laughs> See, that, so it's that, that horse on page forty five. Um, it's the one with the, the with the blanket. That's my big gelding, and who's also a prankster. Um, and he did something that. Um, so I had to have a knee surgery too because he bucked me off. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> Not because he is he is nasty, just because he once in a while is a little, well, a little bit too much a prankster. <laughs> and he does it because he can. That's he it. does it because he can, and then he turns around and smiles and said, "Oops, yep, I love." Sorry, you. you're on the ground yeah. again. <laughs> well, in the photograph, he's looking right at the camera. He's totally like going you know, to town on this blanket. Oh yeah. No, exactly what he what he's doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Britta. We appreciate it. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, now, uh, that was a fascinating conversation. By the way, you get, you are the best when it comes to these kind of uh, conversations because you, you get so into it and you're so, you're so curious. Well, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the very essence of being a horse person. Is it's, this is what keeps us coming back. There's so much depth and richness to being a horsewoman and a rider. And I mean, let's face it, those of us who ride, whether you want to or not, you're training your horse. We know this. Every time you get on, every time you work with your horse, it's a schooling session. Um, and so it, that's what I say. This is great for trainers, but it's also good for just your everyday rider who, even if you don't have goals, it helps you understand um, your horse a little bit better and your relationship with your horse. So out of five flakes? Oh, easily five and a half. Oh. Wow, this first this book one gets, gets extra gone credit. <laughs> this one gets extra credit. She has great pictures. Um, so there's there's illustrations. There are photographs. She has wonderful words of wisdom from some really impressive riders. Um, and I, the backstories of some of these riders: Isabel Worth, 
um, the, uh, oh gosh, this one woman's name, I always pronounce it wrong. Um, but to understand, like, okay, I'm going to butcher her name, Monica Theodorescu and her horse, Eric. These are some serious riders, and to they've contributed to her book with these little stories about their own training challenges. It's like, oh, yeah, I have that problem, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Well, that's terrific, and as we said, the name of the book is uh, Dressage Training Customized, and we'll put links in our show notes to that. And, you know, one of the other places that you can find stuff for training is equestrian collections if you're shopping for a young rider then equestrian collections gives you the best choice of riding apparel footwear gifts helmets and safety gear for young riders of any uh, you know they're probably better than almost any equestrian website out there as far as selection is concerned and there's always uh, great everyday and promotional prices with an with their enormous selection it, you know, equestrian collections is the place to go. Whether you're a young rider or you're older, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female because they cover all the gambits. And they're one of the very few places that has all the men's stuff that they do. You know, and the other cool thing is they give us a coupon. If you, when you're checking out on your next order, just put HRN in the coupon code area, you will get $10 off your next order of $120 or more. And that's at equestriancollections.com. And the other thing I'll tell you to do, if you haven't already, is follow them on Facebook. Search for Equestrian Collections on Facebook because they have lots of cool stuff they post in there. It's not just about sales and it's not just spammy stuff. There's lots of good information and links to articles. They do a great job with it at equestriancollections.com for all of your horse and rider needs. Do you want to do your pony club thing or not? I do want to do my pony okay. club thing. I want to do it today. Okay. Um, but I, we'll, we'll start with today. This was news that you want to quit the pony club. I want to quit the pony club. <laughs> well, you know, I've had some time to think. So let's just okay. do – we'll do it All today, right. and then maybe we'll see what our listeners have to say. Okay. So this little segment that I thought might be kind of fun for um, – I don't want to say our newer listeners, but for maybe those of us who are a little less experienced. Uh, it's called Everything I Need to Know About Life I Learned in Pony Club, except I didn't do pony club. So what I thought I would do is sort of bring snippets from the uh, Pony Club Manual of Horsemanship to the Stable Scoop listeners with my own snarky, personal little twist. And uh, today's segment is called Check Your Freaking Tech. <laughs> really? That would okay. be the snarky little twist. That would be <laughs> <laughs> so and now here's the thing. Let's be real. How often do you really, really clean your tack? Every day? Every time you ride, uh, once a year, like me. Yeah, like once a year, like you. Right. No, it's seriously that cleaning that's, harnesses. Sometimes they're long, and there are lots of it. And it's somebody tried clean. to get me to do that once, and I, I think I quit or something. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm not, not touching that. Uh, not that I mind cleaning tack, but like a lot of people, who has the time? You, you, there's so many things you want to squeeze into a day that uh, I, you know I don't always have the time to really clean my tack. And and it's all of us just don't have the inclination to keep our tack pony club clean. You know, just wipe it down with a bit wipe and you're good to go. <laughs> Unfortunately, my bit wipes are multi-purpose. They do thing more than just clean the bit. I don't think that was supposed to be the idea, by the way. No, no, no. And so I'm thinking maybe once the kids are in school and things are quiet down a little bit, you'll take a morning to hang a bridle on a tack hook and give it a, a good cleaning. Um, you know, so anyway, you know, it's understandable. Some of us just can't be so thorough with our cleaning, no one's going to alert the authorities unless, however, you fail to also check your tack. 
before every single ride, as you tack up your horse, it's really important that you check everything. And I mean everything. Your saddle fit, your billet condition, your buckles, your bridle, the bit fit, your cheek pieces, your keepers, bell boots, support boots, all of it, everything that you put on your horse. Because if something fails while you are on board, it could mean disaster. You know, if and a we've all seen those YouTube videos where the stirrup uh, breaks or oh, yeah. the stirrup leather breaks or the stirrup itself breaks or, or the girth becomes undone and, and the saddle's on the bottom of the horse. We've all seen those videos. Oh, yes. We've seen, I, I mean, I've, I've lived it. You know, um, it, the thing is, is, you know, if a bell boot falls off and your horse is pretty level-headed, okay, not a big deal. Unless you happen to be going over a five-foot oxer. You know, uh, that's a distraction you don't want to happen when you're in the air. You know, on a really bad day, you could be galloping along after the huntsman and your horse spooks at a coop. <laughs> True story. Not naming any names. Your billet breaks, the girth slips, and you end up in the dirt. Uh-huh, For the next uh-huh. six months, you have a hard time bending down long enough to pick your horse's feet. So, uh, you know, the more Nobody we story- know. <laughs> Nobody we know. Nobody at the Horse Radio Network. So if you're, the moral of the story is, if you are the kind of person who can and does clean their tack often, great. That gives you the opportunity to check things. Um, you know, if you're the other kind of horseman, just make sure everything is safe and working as it should, because I know it's cliche, but it's true. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's my story. All right. When, and now why, 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 why are you throwing the pony club out the window? Well, you know, one of the things I think that's really important, <laughs> I've been overusing the word really today. One of the things I think is important in horsemanship and being a good horseman is to be humble. Because being humble opens the mind. And I think uh, people, whether you're you know, a horseman or not, an open mind is just better. <laughs> it's just my opinion. Open mind is better. And I, I feel like I really – sometimes I question whether or not I'm in a position to preach to other people. Uh, there is no – I could live 100 lifetimes and still not know enough about horses to preach um, I want to share things with our listeners from my firsthand experiences, but I'm not really comfortable preaching, I guess. And I feel like maybe this little segment could be a little preachy. I don't know. Let's see what our listeners say. Send us a message on Facebook or, or contact us through uh, stablescoop.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I do feel like it's a little preachy, and I, I don't think that fosters um, enough humility. Well, and I don't think that the listeners have taken it that way. I don't think I haven't taken it that way. I've no. taken it as a bit more of being a reminder of things that we should do and we don't do all the time. So it just sort of puts it to the front of our brains again. It um, does. It does. And we all know this stuff. It's sort of like driving and following all the traffic laws. You know, you should stop at that stop sign, but you know what? There hasn't been a car coming for the last twenty years. Right. So we just roll it. You know, we know we should. So it's just kind of a reminder. Um, so I haven't taken it as preachy at all. Uh, I know. If anything, you get a little you get a little too humble uh, for your own good at times. Uh, fine, 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 fine. <laughs> well, let's hear from our stable scoop okay. listeners. If you like these little snippets from uh, from the Pony Club and these little reminders, then let us know. And or, if you think or, they're totally, or if not, or if you think she's being a total pain in the ass, then let <laughs> us know that too. <laughs> I had somebody tell me once, "Oh, Helena, she's so bossy. She thinks she knows everything." And I was like, hmm, you know, that was a little hard to hear. And it made me sit down and think, well, do I think I know everything? And I know for sure. I don't believe I know everything. But the things that I... Peter told me. 
<laughs> I know a lot more than he does, especially when it comes to horses. You should hear us talking about, oh my gosh, he's a great horse husband, but you should hear the conversations about why we need to set up dinner at breakfast time and why the hay nets have to be hung in advance. And oh, But anyway, right. the point is, is keep an open mind, stay humble, and a life will be a lot easier for you. And I'll say one thing. We, we did the barn over the weekend for a friend of ours who was away, and she's a boarding stable with about 25 horses, and Jennifer and I were in charge over the weekend for three days, and it reminded us that we never want to do that again. We kind of like boarding our horse now, so just saying. Let's get to Tack and Habit. Yay! I love this product. I'm so excited that it's out. This segment of Tack and Habit is sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products. Choose Kentucky Performance Products supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to KPP. This week, we're going to talk about Nalox. Has your horse become cranky and sullen, maybe losing uh, the healthy bloom to his coat? Is he prone to colic or off his feed? These could be symptoms of stomach irritation and ulcers. You can prevent ulcers before they happen with Nalox Equine Antacid. Its unique formula buffers excess acid for up to six hours while it coats and protects a sensitive stomach. Now, it's easy for Kentucky Performance Products to stand behind their products because they believe in them. Your complete satisfaction is guaranteed. So, if you're unsatisfied with any of their products, they will gladly refund your money. Learn more about Nalox and all the KPP products at www. KPPUSA.com. Well, today we're, we're get, we have a little bit of a recording that we did at, uh, at the American Equestrian Trade Association a couple of weeks ago, the one you couldn't attend. I know. And it's about a product that we've talked about before. Do you own one of these yet? I do. Yeah. Okay. Do you? And I love it. Okay. Uh, I do, yes, at certain times. Yeah, Jennifer uses this exclusively now, and that's the Spursuader. If you remember right, we, we talked about that on the Tack and Habit show. It's, an, it's a new kind of spur that is, is more gentle uh, on your horse and is quite unique. And we're going to talk about the Western version. They've now come out with a Western Spursuader. And you can see in the picture there, it has the fancy leather strap and everything. Uh, I know, and it looks really good, too. It does. It's very nice. She's having that done by a, uh, a nice uh, leather company here in the United States. So that's the Spursuader. And we got a chance to talk to Linda Halk. And in, in this conversation, we're all of us, because everybody was excited about it. So you're going to hear Jennifer in this conversation, and you're going to hear Jamie from The Morning Show in on it, too. So this is everybody just having fun with Linda Halk, who's a lot of fun to begin with. She's an inventor, and she, you know, designed these spurs because she needed them for her own use. So let's take a listen. All right, this is Glenn the Geek, and I am here at the American Equestrian Trade Association show, and we're taking a look at new products for the fall for a number of our shows here. And I have Coach Jen, who is working, also works for the Horse Radio Network, and is producer and uh, producer of the Morning Show and host of Horse Tip Daily. That's me. Well, and we also have a guest here with uh, somebody that we love her products. We, we met her a while back, and we did shows with. We actually had you on the show here, uh, I think, one of the other times you were here. Yep. And you have a product called the Spursuader, which is a new, different kind of spur. And we've talked about those before, and Coach Jen uses them. Now, we'll, we'll have you describe it, 
But then you have a new persuader that's come out that we'll get to in just a minute. But you describe this persuader and what it does and why it's important. Okay. Well, no, thank you so much, Glenn, for having me back. Design this persuader out of a need to be kinder but still effective. A lifetime of riding the thoroughbreds off the racetrack, get to the point where you're teaching them the lateral work, using a traditional Prince of Wales, and the response you would get with those sensitive horses, the ears back, the kicking out, the tail swishing. I'm also a level two coach and a level two technical delegate. So I'm at a lot of horse shows and I could see how people were inadvertently using the spur or not using it correctly and what the horse's reactions were. So at home in Ontario, I asked a tool and die maker on a traditional spur, could you put what we have, a loony at home? And so we had a much greater surface area, no sharp edges, and the difference on the horses has been just phenomenal. And to, to describe it, it looks like a traditional spur in the part that goes around your foot. Okay. Yes, the boot aspect the, of it is right. just like a spur. But the other part, I would say, it, it, it sticks out about a half an inch, and then uh, there's a, a button. There's a button. It looks like a uh, a, a stainless button. steel button. Yeah. It's rounded, so there's no sharp edges. But there's enough there that if you're you're tapping them in the side with it, they're going to know they're being tapped. Absolutely. And I just actually here in my booth, I brought a pair of spurs that I rode five horses on Friday, and and the whole surface area is dirty. So that the whole contact uh, surface All the area, way around. It can be, and, and the whole disc makes so, contact. And some, an interesting question I got from... And some, Jennifer, by the way, you use these. I do. I had... You sold your other spurs. That's the only one you use. Yes, I had two, <laughs> I had two pairs of your traditional English spurs. Little teeny tiny short ones for the wackos. And just typical medium length ones for everybody else. And Beaker, the horse that I ride mostly now, the one that I own... If you touch him with a spur, he just kind of, he cringes a little bit. It's like, oh, the mosquito just bit me. That stinks. You really don't get a positive response from him bodily. He doesn't look at that as an aid. He looks at that as an irritant. Well, he's a very kind horse. I don't want to be getting after him. And I'm like, well, this isn't working real good, but I needed to get him to move away from my leg a little bit because he needs to work a little bit with his lateral work because we have to be able to open and close gates together even though right I, I ride English I go in and out of a lot of gates he's a quarter horse he's, he's not used to, he's getting used to the English thing yeah he's a quarter horse um, so you very kindly sent me a pair of persuaders and said you've got to try these and I frankly went really this is gonna work this is this is kind of heavy and it's a great big round thing and it looks really really different but I tried them and the first time I used them, I gave him the exact same aid as I normally would. I didn't change the way I rode, and I gave him just a little touch to say, come on, you need to take one step away from this gate. You need to take one step sideways with your hindquarters. And instead of cringe and brace, he went, oh, what's that over there? I think I need to move away from that. And it was, it was the difference between tapping somebody on the shoulder to get their attention and a mosquito biting somebody on the shoulder to get their attention. It was just a positive response, not a... Oh, my God, that stinks. I hate that. So I'm going, really? These work? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I sold my other That's probably spurs. the reaction you get from a lot of people. It is, actually. Yeah. Uh, the testimonials on the website, people walk up to me and tell me, my God, my horse is so much happier. Uh, I don't get the overreaction. I don't get the kicking out to the leg. I don't, I don't get the tail swishing. I get better dressage marks. So absolutely. Yes. And these are legal? Uh, they're legal for uh, the dressage in the States and the hunter jumpers. I do know event riders that are competing with them at national level in the States. They aren't FEI approved yet. Okay. I am working on that. Okay. So you have to have a separate approval process for the FEI. FEI works on their own rules and regulations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
They do. <laughs> now, what makes us unique and why you're probably hearing this also on the Western Radio Show now, we're sharing this interview with a number of them, is because being kinder and gentler to the horses is not only an English thing. That's a Western thing. And, of course, when you're talking natural horsemanship and you start to get into a lot of, a lot of the clinicians and instructors out there, they should really take a liking to this because you have now made the Western version of the Spurs Waiter. So tell us about that. Well, it came, it came out of a need again. I had Western people buying my English Spurs Waiter, and they would also have to buy the English strap. But it was a gentleman out in it, Oklahoma, that had bought a pair online, so I didn't know what riding he did. And he put on uh, my Facebook page for Spursuader. I used Spursuader. He said, got my Spursuaders, absolutely loved them. The hardest thing was putting them on my boots. So I emailed him and I said... Because his boots are too big for the, for so the old wide. English strap? <laughs> <laughs> well, th- what he said was, I ride Western. I'm just an old cowboy. And he sent me a picture of how he had attached the English persuaders to Western cowboy boots. And what he did is he just tore two pieces of leather and tied them onto his boots. And he'd been a number of... He, he was the last one that finally, I finally said, okay, I need a Western spur. If they're buying my English spur and strapping them onto their boots like this, then the least I can do is make a, make a spur that they can use all their Western straps on. And, and it came again out of a need. And this one, it's made with... Describe the strap now. Well, the strap, I've just got... The straps are sold separately, right? Right. The straps are sold separately because, again, I didn't realize, being an inventor, a long-time English rider, that a lot of your Western riders custom-make their straps. Yeah, they like their straps. It's big doings. They'll they'll even have their brands on them and And everything. And the bling and the hair. It's very fun. Us English folks need to get with it. But this is made for the Western spur strap. They've got the button attachments on the side so they can interchange what spur straps they want. And they're nice brass, too. Yeah. And it's a beautifully made spur, as usual. Because the English ones are really high quality stainless steel yep. as well. 316 stainless steel, and it's a one size fits all, men and women. And it will never rust. No, because it's it's good quality stuff. And there's a left and a right spur, and they are engraved appropriately. This one in my hand is the right spur. <laughs> yeah, I had a cowboy at a trade show come up to me and say, I'm not looking for a curve because they do curve six degrees in so that it's the curve is in towards the horse. He says, you better tell us cowboys which is left and which is right. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Very smart. Yeah. That's funny. Now, the only problem with old cowboys is I have to get my glasses to see it. But uh, other than that. It's a big R. It's a big R, Glenn, so you should be able to handle it. If, if I hold it back here, can you see that? Okay. Good. <laughs> well, this is great. Congratulations. And I know that this persuader has taken off amongst the pros. You see them now in all the big shows. And, you know, I know what struggles you went through to bring one little product to market. Mm-hmm. And now congratulations because you've done very well with it. Thank you so much. No, it's been really well received. And what I love about it is it's just gone across the equestrian industry. It's not just the eventing. It's everybody. Amateurs love them because they're not afraid to use them. Well, and I think, you know, we just had a Western rider here who, who does cutting. Uh, he does reining and cutting, I think. And, you know, he's diehard pro Western rider. And, you know, he looked at him and said he, t- he actually, because the Western typically have used Ralph Spurs a lot of times. He says on my amateurs, they're overusing them, and I tape the spurs. I'll tape them up so that they don't get that that uh, harshness and he said for them i would highly recommend this so you know that's something to think about out there too if you're if you have students that are overusing their spurs mm-hmm. let's take a look at a little kindler gentler and they can't overuse these they really well, can't the way and, they're designed and they're just perfectly designed for a hot 
thoroughbred in right. the English world too, which is which is something that we all have a problem with. We get started with them, we need to use our spurs, and they just get really angry about it. So this is a great kind of beginning to inter- introduce them to spurs, and you'll be able to keep them forever. So it's a great product. Nice job. Thank you, guys. (laughs) And Linda, of course, you can hear her also on uh, Horse Tip Daily. You do tips over there on Horse Tip Daily, which Jennifer has now taken over. And as I understand it, you're going to be recording some new tips here shortly. So As soon as as everybody gets back from all the millions and ones trade shows. Okay. And we're going to, you'll find that at horsetipdaily.com as well. So thank you so much, Linda. What's the website? www.spersuader.com Spell it for everybody because I always get it wrong. S-P-U-R-S-U-A-D-E-R Spersuader.com Can't even say it. I can't even say it. (laughs) Well, there's the Western Spersuader is now available. It is very good looking. I, I have to say that you wouldn't be embarrassed to be a Western rider and actually use this. Uh, no. And I think, I have a feeling that this will revolutionize spurs in the Western world. Well, you know, a lot of the Western riders are really into natural horsemanship, and they don't believe in the the big rowel spurs and the, the typical Western spurs. So this offers them an alternative that really, you know, as Jennifer said, she uses all parts of that round part of the spur. She uses the edges and the top. She said, everything is dirty when I get off the horse because she's learned to use that round sort of quarter-shaped surface in many different ways. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah, Yeah. oh yeah, me too. You don't, it's not just the flat part of it. You can use the whole thing. Right. All the angles, yeah. And it's it's gentle. It's not, it's more like encouraging rather than poking. And that's what a lot of horses need, and in, in, whether you're English or Western. And now, you know, some of the Western riders were trying to use these English spur straps on their boots, and they just weren't fitting. So now she has this Western strap that's very attractive leather and worth taking a look at. And these things are, are I think, in the $49 range. So, and you're, you're going to buy one and use it forever. So check it out at SpurSwader.com. It's, it's, uh, it's a good product. It gets a good reviews. I agree. Yep. All right, that's it. Be sure to check in next Friday for another episode of Stable Scoop where we talk about uh, something in the horse world. That's whatever that will be. Something that's important and fun. Something that will be fun. If you want details about today's show, go to Stable Scoop. Go somewhere. Go where? (laughs) Don't go there. Go to StableScoop.com where you'll find links photos and more information about today's guests and we do love your feedback so please let's hear from you follow us on facebook facebook under stable scoop and on twitter at horse radio i'm a mess today (laughs) (laughs) many thanks to our sponsors equestrian collections uncle jimmy's and kentucky performance products and be sure to visit all the great shows on the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com good one on the western show this week helena that i think you would enjoy too it's, um, they're talking about horse hotels. If you travel with your horses across the country, uh, they're talking about ways you can find places to stay and good outlets for that. So it was an interesting conversation over at the Western Radio Show this week. Take a listen. Well, that's it, Helena, for this week. That is plenty, Glenn. But where the, you know, just <laughs> I'm retired. Retire me now. Put me on Medicare. I'm done. God, put a <laughs> put a pumpkin on your leg, and you're all of a sudden you can't talk. And people, I'm not even taking Advil, nothing. I'm pain-free. Maybe I should. Maybe I should go dig into the drugs. There will be more next week, and I do hope that you don't hold this week against us. (laughs) 